What's up, everybody? This is Eddie. This is the X Nihilo podcast. Glad you guys are all joining me. Hey, today we are talking about moving. We're talking about exercise. We're talking about getting up and getting going. The hope today is that you would escape the sedentary lifestyle and begin moving the way I believe God created you to move. I'm here, I am sitting at my desk and I'm recording this podcast for you guys, but it dawned on me. A lot of us basically sit in this sort of hunched over position, the one I'm in now, um, all day, all day for at least four or five days a week. Now, some of it is from home nowadays, but a lot of part of it is at work, at our desk, hunched over. Even if you have a standing desk, a lot of us do find ourselves sitting a lot. And so today I want to talk about uh, the way God created us to move and how you can begin to flourish the way I believe he created you to. Now, if you think about the life that Jesus lived, he lived a life that didn't have a lot of sitting, not a lot at all. In fact, you might even say, well, what if he sat at the kitchen table? Well, he didn't actually even sit at the table. He actually laid at the table, right? He had, they, they oftentimes uh, laid across one another. And that's a fantastic thing to think about. Jesus didn't spend a good deal or anyone in the first century didn't spend a great deal of time sitting. But today we've sort of devolved into these cavemen and we begin sitting uh, for the most part. Um, I don't believe, I actually believe that the sedentary lifestyle that most of us live, the office jobs, even commuting, um, all of these things are not actually the way human beings were ever designed to, to live. And, and if you even actually think about some of the statistics around um, chronic disease and illness and sickness and how uh, a sedentary lifestyle and an, an office job, office desk job style life is correlated to many of these chronic diseases. That's something, and you know, Jesus didn't deal with many of these things. He didn't deal with them. And I believe, again, God designed the human body to move around, to travel far, to pick things up. And the American lifestyle, led by our technological sort of working culture has contributed to our declining health. And so human beings, we need to move to flourish. I think the one of the main reasons why you're not flourishing as a person, if this is you, is because you don't move enough. Even if you do get to the gym and maybe get on the elliptical or something for a few minutes, I actually think that we need to begin building in other rhythms of moving all of the time, okay? And so I think what we're going to do today is explore the practical ways that you and I can get onto our feet and out of our chairs, okay? So let's think about this for a second. God creates human beings to flourish. And one of the most difficult realities of humanity is today is the lack of fun we have. We don't have a lot of fun. We spend a lot of time looking at these monitors. Our eyes are going out. We got glasses on. We're, you know, we get a lot of info. We're getting a lot of this, uh, th this blue light in our eyes, and we're, we even work early when it's dark, or we work late when it's dark, and we disrupt our circadian rhythms with all the light from this. But, but even so, we're hunched over. We're spending a lot of time just at the desk, frustrating ourselves. Human beings need to move to flourish. We really do. Let's talk about Jesus for a second. Let's talk about this first century. Let's get into this. Think about the stories in scripture. Think about even in the Old Testament before Jesus. When you're reading the Bible, did you ever see anything at all about Jesus' car? What, what, what car did Jesus drive? Was it one of those uh, Lamborghinis or was it like a Honda Civic? I don't know how you imagine Jesus, but what did he drive? Did you ever hear about anything about Jesus' desk job? What about anything about Jesus getting headaches from looking at his laptop screen hunched over like a caveman, right? You didn't hear a lot about those things, obviously. You didn't hear anything about them because one of them, one of the reasons is they didn't exist. 
But there was no such thing as sitting down and reading or sitting down and typing and sitting down and hunching over all all day. People in the first century didn't sit very often. They walked all of the time. Now, it's been asserted. It's been asserted. Who knows for sure? It's been asserted, though, that Jesus walked over 3,125 miles during his uh, three years of ministry. That is a long time. That's roughly three miles a day during his ministry. Do you walk three miles a day? Most of us don't. Most of us don't. Now, I, I do want to say up front, I'm not bragging, okay? But I do. I do spend a great deal of time walking. I, I spend at least two to three miles walking in the mid-afternoon um, alongside a workout, a uh, pretty rigorous workout in the morning. And that's not to brag, it's just to say, I happen to be built with a, a type of personality that can't sit still. So it actually works to my advantage that I'm so uh, needing to get outside a lot. But Jesus walked a lot, over 3,000 miles in his three-year ministry from age 30-ish to 33-ish, Jesus walked. Now, that's the exact opposite that you and I live. We do not live this way. We do as little walking as possible. Okay, I'm going to put, if you're watching on YouTube, I'm going to put this uh, picture up of an escalator headed up to a gym entrance, right? I'm going to put that on screen. Now, if you've ever seen this photo, it's hilarious because there's a gym, but to get up to the gym, you take an escalator. Uh, people are taking an escalator to get in the gym. It's kind of like taking an elevator in the gym if you don't need to take an elevator. Why on earth wouldn't you take advantage of the stairs if you're already at the gym? This is the life we live. It's very different. So let me, let me paint the picture for you, okay? You and I, we go to sleep at night, right? Fair enough. Most of us. We wake up. We get out of our bed. You do what you need to do. But then what do you do if you have a job? Let's say Tuesday morning. You get in a car. And then a lot of us will commute 20, 30, 40. If you live in Southern California or Chicago or somewhere else, you uh, or if you're in New York, you sit on a subway for an hour. You'll sit upwards of an hour in a car. So you go from bed to car. And then when you get to your job, for the overwhelming majority of people, not everybody, I know some people are personal trainers, some people work uh, blue collar jobs. If you do those things, you have a huge advantage over the vast majority of Americans. But for the most of America right now, you go from bed to commute to car to desk. And at your desk, you will sit upwards of eight hours in a day. If you're a graphic designer, you're designing stuff. If you're a software engineer, you're coding. If you are a salesperson, you're on the phone, you got your headset, you're dialing, you're making dials, you got your Salesforce account open, and you're you're calling people. If you're a marketer, maybe you walk from meeting to meeting to meet with people. And even if you're at a conference and you sit in the conference room, you're sitting. Bed for eight hours, car for 30, let's say 30 to 60 minutes, then uh, to desk for upwards of eight hours. And then what do you do after work's over? After work's over, you get back in your car and you commute again from 30 to 60 minutes on your journey. Now, I'm not saying work is not hard and exhausting. If you work an office job, it's hard. It's very difficult, it's, social, it's, it's mentally exhausting, it's physically exhausting. But then you get in your car and you commute, you listen to podcasts, you listen to radio, whatever, you get home, and you're so tired from your day, because most of us are, I get it, that you sit on your couch to rest. So you go from bed to car to desk to couch. 
sorry, bed to car to desk to car to couch. And now you're at your couch and you're sitting there and you're resting. Maybe you're in front of the TV. You got your iPhone, your iPad out. Maybe you're talking with your loved ones. And then you get up to go to eat dinner and you sit at the kitchen table. So now you're at bed to car to desk to car to couch to table. And then after that's done, you go back to the couch because you're so tired from your long, hard work day. Admittedly, very exhausting. Maybe not physically exhausting, but mentally and psychologically exhausting on your on your, um, on your central nervous system. And then you go back to your couch and you're watching TV, you're watching Netflix, you're watching whatever, you're on your phone, scrolling around TikTok, you're watching a football game, whatever. And then after all of that, you're so tired that you're going to go back to bed. So let me paint this again for you. Bed to car to desk to car to couch to table to couch to bed. Guys, I know that's a long example and maybe you're annoyed at me by now and maybe if you can't get to your to your uh, your phone or something or your, your TV to switch me off, you're listening, that's what's called the sedentary lifestyle. That's the sedentary lifestyle. According to the World, well, geez, according to the World Health Organization, I should say, Sedentary people are those who do less than 90 minutes of physical activity per week, okay? 90 minutes of physical activity per week. That is not a lot. Now, everyone is going to say, well, that's not me. I move more than that. And listen, I've had these conversations. I'm a pastor. Pastors do a lot of sitting. We do counseling. We do meetings. We do a lot of sitting. Most people I know are going to say, that is not me. Well, here's what you need to know. According to the World Health Organization, more than 60% of the global adult population is sedentary. More than 60%, according to the World Health Organization, of the global adult population is sedentary. Hmm. Now that takes into account the entire globe, which means a lot of other countries are far more mobile than us in the, in the United States, which leads me to believe that majority of us are the ones here in America that are listening to this podcast are the ones that are sedentary. Might I assert and might I might I submit to you that you might be in this population. You are among the 60% of adults that are sedentary who move less than 90, um, 90 minutes of week who don't do as many as much as 90 minutes of physical activity per week. Here's the sedentary definition. Okay. Here's it is. Tending to spend much time seated somewhat inactive, characterized by much sitting or little physical exercise. Guys, let's be honest. It's important, like Jim Collins says in Good to Great, famous uh, business book, in order for an organization to actually move from good to great, in order to for an organization to change, it must meet the nitty-gritty details. It must get the raw, brutal facts of the organization and come to terms with them before they can change. If you want to change your life and begin to feel healthy and live optimally and live this sort of ex nihilo lifestyle, which is this life of, of thriving and well-being and longevity, if you want that, you've got to come to the grips with the fact that you may in fact be sedentary. And, but even if you're not, let's say you move 91 minutes of a, a, a week in physical activity. Is that really enough anyway? It's not, okay? It's not. They calculate that about over 2 million people a year die in the United States due to insufficient physical exercise. Guys, we just had a pandemic that happened across the United States and lots of people died. 
that many people, that many people that passed away during that whole process, two million, a roughly an equivalent amount of people die a year due to not moving their body. Are you kidding me? This is something that is so preventable for you that you should immediately throw your headphones in if you're watching this on TV or on our laptop and go for a walk while you're listening to me. You should not be sitting watching this because that's what's happening. Two million people die a year because they don't move more than they should. Now, many people will say, exercise is not in the Bible. So it's it's like, it's not, bi- like I should not have to worry about exercise. I should not have to worry about about lifting weights or getting on a treadmill. Like Jesus never did those things. It's not even in the Bible. What I need to do is make disciples. What I need to do is think about uh, uh, being a good Christian. What I need to do is grow in the spiritual things and not worrying about the body. For for the, the for physical exercises of some value, spiritual exercises of infinite value. Absolutely. And yet, two million people die a year from not moving enough. So let me tell you, ask you a question. How do you reconcile that? Hmm? How do you reconcile that? Are, are you so uh, spiritually gifted that God has called you to die? Die because you haven't moved enough because you've been on your knees praying and listening to John Piper podcast and Andy Stanley podcast because you, you've been so committed to the Lord Jesus that you've been sitting in the pew and have no have neglected your physical body. Is that what God's called you to do? No. He hasn't called you to do that. Okay, now here's what I'm not saying. I'm not saying that physical exercise or physical activity supersedes spiritual growth. Not at all saying that at all. Not at all saying that. I wouldn't even say, Jesus would say, um, unless you hate your mother or father or your or I've come to turn mother against son and father against daughter, that even his relationship with your own family should be superseded by your spiritual life. Of course. Does that mean we shouldn't care about our families? No, it doesn't mean that at all. My point is that unless God calls you to neglect your physical body, unless he calls you to go into the Middle East and to go get martyred, or if he calls you to become a monk and sit in your in, in some area and pray for all your life, unless he calls you explicitly and clearly to do that, that you should in fact move your body. We love to play these sort of like bait and switch games to get out of doing things that we just know is good for us. Um, Brushing your teeth is not in the Bible, but you brush your teeth, don't you? I, I hope. Brushing your teeth's not in the Bible, but you brush your teeth. So why would you neglect moving physically if 2 million people a year die from not being physically active in the United States? Move your body. Don't play philosophical games with the scripture and look for ways out of moving your body in order to justify why you haven't done it, okay? That's my point to you. Now, I don't want that to come out as a rebuke. It's not at all. It's my frustration and anger on your behalf because I do believe that our culture and our society has lulled us all to sleep to believe that none of those things are important. I absolutely believe they are important. And I believe that the church, that the body of Christ, I don't mean like the the, the physical church you go to on Sunday, but the church as a whole, God's people have been late adopters to this party. And we need to understand that moving is crucial to living a good life. People will say again, exercise is not in the Bible. And I'd say neither is brushing your teeth. Also, to more, maybe more on the nose here, neither are office jobs. Office jobs aren't in the Bible. 
Neither is commuting. Neither is sitting down and watching TV, even if you watch The Chosen, okay? None of that stuff's in, in the Bible. Jesus, when he preached and he said things, he likely addressed cultural issues that were prevalent in his day, right? He talked a lot about paying your taxes because there were literal tax collectors in that day. Today, for the vast majority of Americans, there is no such thing as um, getting all of your gross income up front and then paying your taxes on it for the vast majority of Americans, right? Most of us have income taxes pulled out of your check before you receive it, right? Jesus addressed those cultural issues because that's that's what he dealt with. He often used agrarian analogies because they were an agrarian society. Most people grew their own crops. Most people understood the process of what it was like to grow a fruit or to grow a, a, a vegetable. He used analogies of growth like the fig tree, right? Or um, uh, wheat because we they understood those things. Um, and those analogies are hard for modern Western people to sort of understand today. He didn't need, Jesus didn't need to address people's sedentary lifestyles because sedentary lifestyle was not a cultural phenomenon like it is today. He does intermittently address um, uh, gluttony, but I also wonder out loud what gluttony looked like in Jesus' day and how similar gluttony was, is, back in the first century, how similar it is to, let's say, uh, a regular day for an American today. What I mean is, how similar was what Jesus thought of gluttony, how similar was that to what, what our normal American day is, uh, how we eat. We eat, we wake up, pancakes, eggs, bacon, oatmeal, uh, midday snack. Funny story, I used to sit next to a guy who was a spiritual person of a different religion. And every day at 10 o'clock a.m. in our cubicle, I used to work in software sales, and he would eat himself a piece of white bread, two pieces of white bread with Nutella and peanut butter mixed on them, along with a red a Diet Red Bull poured into a Diet Coke. Yeah, not so good. But so, so you wake up, you eat breakfast, and then you have yourself a midday snack, and then you go to, let's say, uh, 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 go out and have lunch, and maybe you're feeling a little sluggish, so you have a salad with the chicken and the dressing, and uh, maybe another uh, beverage, and then around 2 or 3 o'clock, you have another snack, another cup of coffee with sugar and cream, and then you get home and you eat a big dinner, and then you have dessert after. I wonder if that's actually closer calorically to gluttony in Jesus' day than we even give it credit for. I think it might be. My point is, Jesus didn't need to address exercise. He didn't need to address sedentary lifestyles because they weren't cultural phenomenons. Exercise wasn't a cultural necessity like it is today. And um, overeating and eating way too much and uh, sedent and, be and sitting way too much wasn't a cultural phenomenon like in Jesus' day, and so he didn't address it, okay? All that to say, let's ask the question, what contributes to the sedentary lifestyles that we all experience? Maybe if you're thinking, I don't know if I fit all that. Let me just bake out some of this a little more to see if it kind of hits us. Okay, there are three big things. We talked about them already, but I want to stress them in a little bit more detail. First thing that contributes to sedentary lifestyle are office jobs. The way we work today is far different than the way people worked in the first century. Most people worked blue-collar jobs. They worked outside. They worked um, in the fields. They grew their own crops. They sold. They sold what they made. They traveled long distances by foot and by animal. 
It's very different than us today. In statistically, today in America, 86% of all Americans sit all day at work. So if you think, that's not me, I just want to say, if that's not you, good for you because you're in the overwhelming minority. 86% of Americans sit all day at work and not just not just people that work, but how about students? We train our kids from a young age to be sitting all day. I mean, you imagine waking up and getting to school at eight o'clock and sitting there pretty, pretty much all day with the exception of a recess and a, and, a, and a lunch recess for younger kids, but no recess once you get to like 11th grade. And you sit all day from eight to three. We train our kids to do that. We gotta keep our kids more active. It's no wonder why childhood obesity rates have skyrocketed over the last 50 years, but even more so in the last 10, okay? 86% of Americans sit all day at work. Um, by the way, bad back and a tense neck are not the only problems you get from sitting and I bad eyesight. Bad eyesight, bad back, bad neck, not the only things uh, you get from sitting all day. You also face higher risk of obesity, diabetes, heart disease, muscular and skeletal disorders, uh, um, you face higher risk of all those things, even if you work out regularly, than you did if you just did not have an office job. So our cultural structure has set us up for failure in this way, okay? So it all goes together, right? It all goes together. Poor diet, big pharma, big food, big agriculture, in bed with the government, with lobbyist groups, to produce food that's economically efficient, but nutritionally poor, and nutritionally addictive on top of the fact that our society now works online, works digitally, and oftentimes sits. Those two things are like a perfect storm for chronic illness, and which is why we're dying at the rates we're dying. Office jobs. Second thing, TV. Our primary form of entertainment today is not activity like sports, being outside, um, moving around, walking, it's actually sitting in front of a giant screen that's emitting blue light. And listen, TV is a great invention. It's a great grace of God that you and I can watch a football game or a basketball game or watch a, an award show and not have to physically be there. And it's around the coast, across the country. That's a great thing. I'm not saying it's bad. It's actually awesome. But understand that watching too much TV causes issues. We understand that. But what issues? What issues is too much television causing? Well, there are correlations between TV viewing and consuming junk food. And funny enough, um, what you, the amount of time you spend watching TV is directly proportionate to the amount of junk food one consumes. I'll say it again. The amount of television one watches is directly proportional to the amount of junk food they consume. Meaning, the more TV you watch, the more junk food you consume. And the more junk food you consume, the more television you watch. You ever go to a movie? I'm sure you have. What do they sell? Do they sell, I don't know, grass-fed steak? No, that would be awesome, wouldn't it? They don't though, right? What do they sell? They sell sour patches, um, licorice, popcorn with canola oil poured all over it, butter and canola. It's canola oil and coconut oil mixed together, usually. Um, you can get a hot dog with cheese whiz on it. You can get yourself some fried chicken fingers. Remember, I did a podcast a while back, the top five foods consumed in the United States. One of them is chicken, but it's chicken that is breaded. There you go. You can get a pizza. 
You can get a Snickers bar or a Reese's Pieces or anything like that, but you're not going to get a lot of healthy stuff. And the one thing you can get that's healthy, the water, is like nine bucks for a bottle. Um, so bring your own water bottle uh, and make sure it's not plastic. Okay, make sure it's a nice uh, stainless steel water bottle. You don't want to be drinking microplastics in your water. The point is, the more TV you watch, the more junk food you consume. The more junk food you consume, the more TV you watch. According to a study in the Journal of Circulation, in circulation, people who watch TV for five or more hours a day have more than double the risk of dying from a blood clot in the lungs than those who watch only two and a half hours a day. Just one of the myriad of studies, your body is not built to be sitting. Again, it's likely due to all sitting all day. You ever So just think about it. it the more you sit, the, the sicker you are. According to a Harvard health study, people who watch TV for more than four hours a day had a 49% higher risk of heart attack, stroke, and death than those who watch less than two hours a day. Posture, eyesight, crankiness, lack of sleep are all problems that you also get from the blue light that comes through the screen on top of a higher risk of heart attack, stroke, and death. <laughs> so just understand that television is not is a great gift, but it's not something that we should be doing all the time because look what it does to us. Sedentary lifestyle, office jobs, TV, and the last thing, commuting. Commuting. According to Washington Post, Americans spend about 26 minutes a day commuting one way to work, adding up to 200 hours every year. The average American spends 200, day, uh, 200 hours a year commuting, sitting. Round trip, that's nearly an hour spent in the car every day for the average American. You might say, I live close. Good for you. Me, I live really close to where I spend most of my working hours. This is great. For the vast majority of Americans, they, they travel an average of about an hour round trip in the car. That sucks. 200 hours of their lives a year spent sitting. Now, of course, many of us spend more time in the car in the Bay Area where I, I, I'm from and we're in the Seattle area where I live. Um, and even in Los Angeles and the West Coast, um, we spend about double that in the car every year. So West Coast cities are very spread out and there's a lot of traffic and we spend double that in the car, okay? Now, of course, many of us spend a lot of time in the car. That makes sense. Funny enough, the same report from the UK found that commuters, so if you're here and you're abroad, found that commuters ex uh, experience less life satisfaction and happiness than those who don't commute at all. Now, the UK in Europe People oftentimes sort of make fun of Americans because we think that like living 30 minutes from something is is close. Um, it's funny, but it's the, the truth is that they just live in walkable cities, and actually that's one of the contributing factors as to why Europe is much more healthy than America Americans because we spend 200 hours a year in the car. Carrying that same report, commuting more than 10 miles by car can lead to higher blood sugar and increased cholesterol, according to a study from the universe, University of School of Medicine in St. Louis and the Cooper Institute in Dallas. 10 miles by car leads to higher blood pressure and increased cholesterol. Now, I'm not going to put a lot of stock in the cholesterol factor in all this because there's plenty of studies now that show the right types of cholesterol, having higher amounts is totally fine, but higher blood pressure 
probably stress-related, probably inflammation-related, um, related to um, traveling 10 miles by car. Another UK study found that people who commute 30 minutes by bus have the lowest levels of life satisfaction. Now, hate to throw the bus people under the bus, <laughs> but um, one, traveling by bus is really uncomfortable and it, it really just truthfully sucks. It takes way longer, which is probably why some of these studies um, are related. But even what's funny is lower levels of life satisfaction traveling by bus even so, people that take the bus oftentimes walk to the bus stops and away from their bus stops, and they still are unsatisfied and unhappy. All that to say, I think it's safe to say that Jesus didn't need to worry about any of what I just talked about of this when uh, talking in parables to people because this wasn't a problem. He didn't worry about commuting. He didn't worry about TV, and he definitely didn't worry about office jobs. Okay, But these are relevant for us, right? These are relevant for us. Now, even if you aren't one of the six in 10 Americans who um, who are sedentary, um, we still need to avoid chronic inactivity because they wouldn't have had to do those things, right? And you and I need to discover what I'll call chronic activity or as they would call it 100 years ago, life. You and I need to rediscover life, chronic activity to avoid chronic inactivity. So in the rest of our time, let's talk about how do we do these things. I'll give you a few tips. First, we need to really uncover for us how to develop a real rhythm of real exercise in our lives. Here's the thing. Exercise is hard. Getting to exercise is hard. If your mindset is that exercise is always going to be hard and it's always going to be difficult for you, if you start to exercise, it will only be temporary. You're going to have to figure out how to make exercise a part of your life, a regular thing, like brushing your teeth. How do I exercise all of the time? How do I always exercise? How do I wake up and think life does not happen apart from exercise? For me, I wake up at 5 a.m. and work out first thing in the morning. It's fully a part of my morning routine. Obviously, I'm a former professional athlete, played in the NFL, played college football, played sports all throughout high school, played sports all throughout um, all, all throughout my childhood years. Exercise is fully ingrained in me. Now, that didn't start that way. I had to build that in as a, it became a habit over time, right? It became a habit. Habits, according to James Clear, are really basically a collection of habits is really what we call eventually call our lives. You can build whatever habits you want. The question is, which habits do you build? So if you build a habit that I sleep till 7.30 and then wake up, scarf some food down, get in the car, then those are habits. Those are not just what happens, okay? That's not your life devoid of habits. Your habits are, I wake up at 7.30, I rush, I put down a piece of toast with jam on it and drink coffee with sugar and cream or I swing by Starbucks or whatever and get a cream-filled, sugar-filled uh, drink those are habits. That's not just life. Those are those are habits. Okay. So for me, I wake up at five o'clock in the morning typically, and I I work out. If I don't wake up at five and I wake up at five thirty, I still go to the gym and I still work out. I just work out less. The point is, it's a part of my life. For you, you'll need to find your rhythm of real exercise. Is it that you wake up early? Are you a morning person? Then wake up early and go to the gym, or wake up early and go for a run, or wake up early and get on your bike. Whatever it is, right? 
For some, it's your lunch break. I have friends when I worked in an office job that work out in their lunch break. And so what they do is they take, they work extra hours in the morning. They spend an extra half an hour at their desk in the morning so they can have an extended lunch break and they'll spend an hour, 90 minutes, an hour and an hour and 30 minutes, 90 minutes working out and getting in a little lunch, right? For some of you, it might be that you go to the gym in the evenings, particularly if you don't have kids um, or you're not married or you don't have a lot of you know, activities that you do in the evening, maybe exercise can be a fun thing. Also, kind of a sidebar here if you're single, the gym is a great place to meet somebody, okay? Great place. The best places to meet, this is a different podcast, but the de- the best places to meet uh, a spouse are the gym, or church, the bookstore, and spin class or Pilates class. Those are the best places to meet a spouse because you're going to meet somebody smart. You're going to meet someone spiritual. You're going to meet someone in shape. That's what you should do. The worst places to meet somebody, a spouse, are the bar, the nightclub, and the drive-thru. Don't meet your spouse there, okay? Anywho, <laughs> little little tip for our single people. Anywho, the point is find some time where you can build in regular rhythms of exercise. I believe exercise in the morning gives me a mental edge. I have more clarity. I feel better. I get to work with volition. Develop a rhythm of real exercise. <clears throat> the second thing, schedule your workout on your calendar. You, If you work a desk job and you have one of the 86% of people in the United States that work at a desk, you have a calendar. You have an Outlook calendar, a Google calendar, and an iCalendar, whatever you have. Put your exercise, your workouts on your physical calendar or your digital calendar and put it as another color. So color code your calendar, put workouts as like green or red or something. Exercise is ultimately an appointment with you, right? The same way you don't break a meeting with a client, the same way you don't break a meeting with your manager or with your boss, don't break an appointment with you. In fact, the appointment with you is the most important a meeting that you have because it's 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 putting the oxygen mask on you before putting it on anybody else. Always keep your meetings with you, okay? The same way you don't break a meeting with a client, the same way you don't make a meeting with your manager, the same way you don't break a meeting with your boss, don't break an appointment with you. Think about it. Think about it. <clears throat> Whenever those key practices in your life that you wouldn't violate, Maybe for you, it's your devotional. Maybe it's a Bible study. Maybe it's meditation. Whatever it is that you feel like I have to keep these and you miss it, your day is worse, right? So for me, if I don't if I don't study in scripture, if I'm not um, getting uh, that couple mile walk in the afternoon, if I'm not getting my workout, my day's worse. Make some form of exercise part of that regular rhythm to the point where you're building a habit over time that if you skip it, your day is worse. Third thing. Think about exercise as an investment in yourself. Not only is it an appointment, it's an investment. It's an investment in your ability to perform at a high level, right? You don't want to just be alive. You don't want to just get through life feeling horrible, eating white bread and Nutella and Red Bull to get through life. You don't want that to be true. You don't want to just be alive. You want to thrive. Exercise gives you energy. It breaks you down to build you back up. It gives you energy. It makes you more mentally alert and it helps you function better over the long term. 
when you invest money, you're placing money in a place that you can essentially reap the benefits of the work that the money puts in later, right? When you invest in a 401k or a 403b or an IRA or something or um, whatever it is, you're investing over a long term. So that way you can reap the benefits later. The same is true for exercise. You are putting physical energy in the bank. You're taking the hit of not having the, the energy now or not having the money now, right? So that way you can reap the benefits of that energy later. It'll make you stronger and more uh, and more fit later in your life and help you perform better. Exercise will pay you later in the form of performance and less injury and healthy body and a clear mind. Next thing, exercise increases your longevity. I've talked about this at length. This is one of the one of the pillars of the X and Hilo channel. It's one of the pillars of X and Hilo philosophy. But you want to be on earth as long as possible, right? You want to be here as long as possible. You want to be here for the people in your life, your wife, your husband, your children, your family, your church, the community, whatever it is. You want to be here for as long as possible. And I want you to be here as long as possible too. The more Longer time on earth means more disciples made as a Christian. For those of you that are Christian, we believe that Matthew chapter 28 is the great commission. Go forth and make disciples of many nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. And the longer you're here on earth, the more disciples you can make. Now, even the Apostle Paul facing death, writing to the Philippians, understood this, right? He says in the Philippians, to live is Christ, but to die is gain. Paul knew that it would be better to be with Jesus in the end, but he said um, it was important and to the Philippians advantage, to the people in his life's advantage that he was around so he can continue to disciple people and to share the gospel. Yes, we know it will be better to die and be with God. Yes, we know to live is Christ and to die is gain, but don't live a sedentary lifestyle to help you get to Jesus faster. Don't live the the desk job life and not help yourself live longer just so you can get to God faster. That, that That's not what Paul even had in mind and it's not what we should have in mind. All right, what's next? Make a habit of moving for fun. So I've coached a lot of people. I, I do a coaching practice where I, I do lifestyle, health, wellness coaching. Um, and I do that on the side because I really, really enjoy talking to people about these sort of things. One of the things I get the most is, oh my gosh, I hate exercise. It sucks. And yes, it does suck sometimes, especially if you haven't built a habit of enjoying it. But if you don't have a hobby, create one that is not sedentary. Listen, you get to be in charge of your life. You get to make your decisions. Your boss doesn't make your decisions. Your spouse doesn't make your decisions. You get to make your decisions. So order your life in such a way that you would have movement and exercise and having fun all rolled into one as a hobby. One of the ways movement can be a routine in your life and a rhythm is through a hobby. So if you're rest, if you're sedentary for the rest of the time that you're alive, find, and you and you work and you say I have a desk job, there's nothing I can do. Okay, find a hobby that's not puzzles or knitting. Okay, find a hobby that is active. I'll give you some examples. Hiking. Simple. I live in the Pacific Northwest. Hopefully, where you live, there's mountains. Unless you're um, in the uh, in the in the flat. Great Plains, or you're in the very flat Midwest. I used to live in Chicago. Can't make hiking a hobby as much, but you can walk and you can hit trails. 
All I have to say, hiking is an easy one. Cycling. Hey, Midwesterners, Great Plains. Get a road bike. Commute to work on a bike. Swimming, also easy. If you live by the ocean, how about boogie boarding or surfing, right? Uh, mountain biking, if you're in the mountains, another great hobby. How about golf? People don't think about golf as a physical sport because we always get, people like to, to get beers and cigars and uh, chips and a golf cart. But you don't have to have all those things. You actually can walk a golf course and hit some golf balls. Pretty cool. How about working on cars if you like, if you have an auto hobby and you like cars? Get under your car. Work on cars. Work on old cars. Restore old furniture. Become a woodworker. Hey, Jesus was a carpenter, right? Basketball. Basketball is really easy at any gym. Any 24-hour fitness, Bally's, LA Fitness, Lifetime Fitness um, is going to have a basketball court. Very simple. Walks in the forest. Walks in the city park. Even if you live in New York City, you can hit Central Park and walk. Another one for those of you that are older and have a green thumb is gardening, getting outside, gardening. One of the people that raised me, my aunt, she had a garden in the backyard. She would work in the garden, rearranging things. I don't know what she was doing, planting stuff. I don't know what she was doing, but she was out there for hours, right? Or, like me, do something outside the box to challenge yourself. For me, those things are like Spartan races. You could do like marathons, half marathons, mud runs, Ragnars, um, Around here in the Pacific Northwest, there's this big thing called Wild Horse Canyon Games, right? It's out in, Port in Oregon. Get something out, do something outside that's a fun race of some kind. Another last tip, get it on the calendar. Book a race, book an event that you have to pay money for. Put some skin in the game. Pay 200 bucks for a Spartan race. Pay 200 bucks for this big giant triathlon or something and get it on the calendar and then schedule your workouts leading up accordingly so it forces you to race. As one of my college strength coaches used to say as it relates to getting something on the calendar, like a football game, let's say, there will come a time where everyone will know how much work you put in. And that's true for getting something on the calendar. We're gonna know if you raced, if you practiced, if you ran uh, in that marathon. We're gonna know if you trained for that Spartan race or for that mud run, okay? And here's one of my last tips for you. And I've talked about this in previous podcasts, but it's worth repeating. Get in your NEPA. Get in your NEPA, N-E-P-A. NEPA is non-exercise physical activity. Move around when you're not exercising. NEPA is defined as anything that's not actual exercise. So, so anytime you are moving around, let's say you're going through the airport and uh, you've got your luggage and instead of taking the escalator, you take the stairs, that's called NEPA, right? Anytime you decide to pick up your luggage instead of roll it, that's NEPA. Anytime you carry trash to the trash can outside, that's NEPA. Look for ways to increase your NEPA, right? You aren't moving anytime unless you're working out. If that's you, you're going to find yourself struggling to lose weight and to be healthy long-term. You may only be in the gym three to five hours a week, maybe less, right? But what about the rest of the time, right? So for the modern culture, not like Jesus, Jesus only ever got NEPA. People in the first century only ever got NEPA. For our modern culture, NEPA may be the difference between you being overweight and you being where you want to be physically. This is an absolute game changer. So... Begin to cultivate a life of getting the most from your body that involves moving, picking things up, and striding regularly. 
making movement a habitual lifestyle. How, you might ask? I'll give you some examples. For some of us, it's like morning walks. Right now, you might say that's exercise for me. I'm really out of shape. Okay. But for those of you that do go to the gym, get a morning walk in. For me, it's an afternoon walk. Get an evening walk in with the family. Another thing, like like I said, carrying your airport luggage by the handle. Taking the stairs anytime you see an elevator or escalator. NEPA. My favorite, an easy one. Parking far away from the door at your favorite Target, Walmart, grocery store. My pet peeve, my pet peeve is watching people wait for five minutes for the closest parking spot at Target or any store to open up. That's an absolute pet peeve of mine because by the time you waited for that parking spot and you waited for that person to unload their groceries, who's by the way, getting NEPA in, very good, good way of getting NEPA, groceries, shopping. You could have parked really far. You could have got out of your car. You could have walked in and started your shopping by the time that was open. Not only would you have saved time, you would have also gotten some NEPA in. Okay, now you're starting to understand what I'm talking about. Work, riding your bike to work is another form of NEPA. And here is a next level hack for those of you that do have desk jobs. Get yourself, if you can, not only a standing desk, but a standing treadmill desk. You can walk, in theory, all day if you had an ergonomic workstation or if you had a standing desk with a mini little treadmill. They make these little treadmills. They're tiny, and they're, they're not all that expensive. They're, they're a few hundred bucks, but they're not like buying a full treadmill. Although, if you buy a full treadmill, good for you. But you can get them, and you can walk all day and get your NEPA in, and you will not have any of the ill effects of a regular desk job. Very cool, okay? So, to recap, God created human beings to flourish. And one of the most difficult realities of humanity is the lack of fun and movement it has. And so we should explore why having fun with our bodies and living an active lifestyle is necessary. But not only necessary, it's part of a biblical worldview. And that sedentary lifestyles and office jobs and commuting were not part of the biblical worldview. And Jesus did not have to deal with these. And so I want you to move, move with intentional volition and live the way you were designed to, which is with movement, which is with fun and which is with flourishing. Okay. That's the end of this episode of the X and Halo podcast. Hey, I hope you liked it. Like I mentioned, um, I do some coaching. So if you're ever interested in some health and wellness coaching, please reach out. Um, I'd love to get you set up. Um, check out the YouTube channel. I got a lot of different YouTube videos around this subject. If you enjoyed this podcast, like it and subscribe to the channel on YouTube. And you can always follow and leave a review on any of the major podcast platforms. That's it for now. I'll see you in the next one. One more thing. The statements in this video or audio have not been evaluated by the FDA, the U.S. Food and Drug Administration. Information provided here is not intended to diagnose, treat, cure, or prevent any disease. The information provided by this website and or by this podcast is not a substitute for a physician visit and should not be taken as medical advice of any sort or kind. This is a list of resources for further self-research and work with your personal physician if needed. 
by using any of this information, by watching, listening, or reading it, you are accepting responsibility for your own health and health decisions and expressly release this podcast, its participants, and its websites from any and all liability whatsoever, including that which might come from negligence. Also, don't smoke cigarettes, don't do drugs, stay in school, don't touch hot surfaces, and please wear your safety glasses when cutting wood.